Before we start the show, I'd like to thank our sponsor, NPR. NPR is a part of people's daily lives, and so are the brands that sponsor NPR's award-winning news and programming. I listen to NPR personally while I'm making dinner, and that's nearly every night. So stay tuned, and I'm going to tell you about why NPR matters to your brand. Crypto and blockchain have gone from curiosities to cultural phenomena, even if most people are sketchy on the details. Coindesk started in 2013 when founder Shaquille Khan started an information blog about the then-exploding world of cryptocurrency. Since then, Coindesk has positioned itself in the center of all things crypto and blockchain. I'm Brian Marcy, and this is the Digiday Podcast. On this week's episode, I speak to Kevin Worth, the CEO of Coindesk. Kevin and I discuss The Room for Scaling, a crypto and blockchain-focused publication, whether Coindesk will be affected by the boom and bust of the crypto space, and how blockchain could be used in media, emphasis on the could. Hope you enjoy it. Kevin, welcome. Thanks for having me. So explain, explain the Coindesk story. It's, it's an interesting one. I mean, the origin story, not like... Yeah, sure. So Coindesk was born uh, at a time when uh, there was, in 2013, when there was growing interest in this new technology called Bitcoin. Um, It was still uh, fairly niche on message boards back then um, in a very small community. And an entrepreneur named Shaquille Khan uh, started it up as really probably the first information blog out there that uh, was trying to bring uh, quality information to the market, um, trying to um, weed out some of the noise uh, and um, uh, run a publishing business. Uh, That was back in May of 2013, fast forward to today. So this was like a white space at the time. There was like subreddits, the traditional financial publications were sort of ignoring it or treating it as a sideshow. Was that the sort of scenario? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, and if the mainstream media waded into it, um, it really wasn't probably until 2014 when there were some big events that happened in the industry that the mainstream media really even started to have any reporters, um, even thinking about the the beat. Okay. And then from Shaquille Khan, uh, then, uh, digital currency group took it over. Yeah, so there's um, uh, a company, a large player in the uh, blockchain and uh, digital currency space called the DCG, the Digital Currency Group. They own a lot of different companies in the space, um, either as a minority investor, they own a couple of companies um, as a majority investor. One is with Coindesk, which they bought in uh, late 2015. And um, since then, uh, we've been um, scaling the company. Uh, we've been scaling it both from a from the, on the editorial publishing side. So we've taken that original idea that where CoinDesk was founded, and we've uh, accelerated that. We've hired a lot of journalists, both in different time zones, different beats. Um, you know, our our position in the industry uh, is, um, I think somebody, some ad agency recently called us sort of the New York Times of blockchain, right? So we are trying to be the paper record in a very high journalistic, thoughtful way. Um, so it's not about crypto. I mean, it's partially about crypto, but you're, you're looking at this as a story because blockchain touches everything. I mean, I, yeah. I, on a regular basis, 
um, I get emails promising me that <laughs> that the blockchain is going to is going to solve ad solve all problems or, or right insert problem of the media industry <laughs> right here. yeah no and there's and a I'm lot. sure every industry right no there's a, there are some interesting use cases uh, uh, being uh, worked on in media but um, yeah yes we we cover far more than crypto I mean these terms crypto and blockchain um, uh, folks will often think of them as two separate worlds. Uh, and I understand that we, we cover them both. They're actually, in some ways, we look for and, and try to uh, cover the areas where they're um, not as separate as people think. But um, uh, in some ways, what I think what people mean by that, Brian, there's the world of public blockchains. And usually they, what they mean by that is um, when they call it crypto, it's public blockchains, meaning there's a crypto asset or a digital asset that is fueling a public blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or right there's... Um, there needs to be a native digital asset. And that's why the word crypto, I think, got adopted. Uh, it was interesting early on, we were, you know, we thought about whether um, we should just call everything digital assets. But, you know, the way the word it's been adopted yeah, is crypto. You got you to go with it, right? So, uh, but really, you know, around crypto, there's, um, and, and then there's, you know, I think the word often gets associated with the, uh, a rethinking of the financial uh, system and the capital markets, right? There's, um, uh, the world of crypto and then blockchain. So there's a lot of enterprises thinking about the technology to uh, either um, uh, become more efficient, reduce uh, uh, costs. So that has applications in a lot of industries in which we cover, whether it's supply chain. Um, you know, so for example, uh, FedEx, we actually had the CEO of. Um, of FedEx, Fred Smith came out at one of our events, talked about how the blockchain is affecting or how they're thinking about it to improve the supply chain. Um, Walmart's another good example, um, thinking about they've done an alliance with, with IBM to think about how to improve food safety in, in the supply chain. And these are all things that we cover in, in our, mm -hmm. in our, um, in our publication regularly. So do you look at it? I mean, in some ways it's, it's kind of often positioned as like the new internet. Right. And I think that's a big opportunity because the use cases are infinite. Yeah. You know, I mean, cause, I mean, we're talking about like uh, a database, right, at the end of the day. So, like, I mean, it's being it's being adopted in so many different ways. How do you stay? I mean, because like, you know, digital currency is one thing, but I, I just wonder how you end up, you know, telling this story when it spreads across all industries. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging, right? We have to pick, you know, we publish yeah. about 20 stories a day. <laughs> so we have to pick what we think are the most important 20 things. But you day. want you want the person who's the people inside of FedEx or, uh, or or the people inside of Walmart or the people inside of any sort of company. That's your core audience, along with that gigantic crypto world that has all sorts of tentacles in all yeah. sorts of directions. The answer to the question is yes, right? So we're... we're um, uh, the 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 Fortune 100, as well as the entrepreneurs who are creating this new ecosystem, that's and 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 they often want to come together and learn from each other. That is our audience. Okay, because yeah. it almost seems like there's two different worlds, and that's an opportunity, I would guess, and a challenge, like it, most things, because it, there's this sort of scruffier world yeah. of crypto, which yeah. you know, for those of the outside, we read like the the pieces in the New York Times, um, which I think I think 
maybe maybe consensus was was part of that you know the the go lambo crowd uh so that's a net yeah listen we, we can spend time on that narrative and that's you know that, that can be an unfortunate narrative that gets hijacked about for the real work that's going on in the industry yeah. but but the, the point you, you point out you make out brian is and we see this at our at consensus um where you have the entrepreneurs and the corporate executives in the same environment right because they're all at consensus so you have Microsoft, IBM, AWS, and then you have entrep- you know, on, you know, entrepreneurial projects uh, at the same time. But they need to learn from each other. Um, back to your just, just I just wanted to comment real quick on your other question about the new internet. Um, I think the um, ethos that, that binds this together across all of them is the idea of uh, a decentralized internet, right? So. Mm-hmm. The founders of the internet never, I don't think, um, imagined that there'd be these enormous hub choke points on the internet, right? It was meant to be a more democratized way um, uh, of, of uh, spreading information and doing commerce. And so a lot of what binds us together is this idea of decentralization, that we shouldn't have these power structures that we can run decentralized services across a network of computers. Right. And that, mm-hmm. you know, and so that started with the idea of decentralized money. Right. But there's a, a there's a, you know, that sparked an idea that there can be decentralized a lot of things. We'll be back after this quick break. Did you know listeners find brand messaging on NPR 23 percent more memorable than brand messaging in other radio environments? To learn more about sponsorship opportunities across NPR's platforms and why they're so effective, visit NPR dot org slash four brands that is npr.org slash four brands now back to the episode and just like in the beginning of the internet it it attracts all kinds of different people trying all kinds of different things it sure does yeah i think my my first job uh, in journalism was covering dot-com businesses here uh, in New York for yeah. uh, the the late great publication Silicon Alley Reporter. Sure, um, and there were all I sorts. Remember that well? That was there, Jay, Jason's. Uh, Jason Calacanis. Yeah, yeah, yes, of course. Uh, there was all sorts of different crazy things going on there, and it made covering the the it interesting to say the least. Yeah, um, but uh, there was a lot of bad ideas out there at the time, and I think it was a necessary phase. Right. Before I, a crash, right? There, there's, there's, there are parallels. There's a there's lot. There's a bubble. Yeah, so, like, yeah. I, I guess the question ends up being for for those of us who are not in it every day. I mean, just like the the, the Bitcoin goes up and down, up and down, and it just it feels bubbly. Right. It does, and and sometimes it is right. I mean, um, what I often talk about the the narrative, and this is what makes CoinDesk different. The narrative that gets talked about in uh, all our colleagues and the rest of the media is the price because it's an easy story. The price sure. goes up, the price goes down. That, well, it was a, like in the dot com, the NASDAQ. Everyone looked at the NASDAQ. Right. And when the NASDAQ went down, everyone said, okay, well, right. that was like nothing. But right. they didn't look at the fact that, you know, broadband was steadily ex- going into exactly. every home. They looked at the wrong number. Exactly. Um, so what we'll talk about is that that narrative of the price going up and down is a sideshow. I mean, we're, what we're doing every day at CoinDesk is trying to chronicle the people who are building the scaffolding of this decentralized Internet, both on the corporate yeah. side and the entrepreneurial side. The people who are working to, um, so the developers, the, the, um, uh, the, the, what we call the intrapreneurs at big, at big institutions, obviously the entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. These are folks who are 
working hard on meaningful projects. Yeah. And that's that's the sort of reporting and coverage area, both in CoinDesk as well as at our, our events. Does it need to settle down with that? Because I mean, I think, like like I say with the crash uh, um, at the dot-com era, I think it was a necessary, because the speculators sort of by necessity went away. Because, mm-hmm. you know, anytime there's some kind of boom, it, you know, throughout history, it attracts uh, all sorts of speculators, and right. nefarious characters at some degree. <laughs> right, right. Um, does, does that need to happen that like, cause everyone does look at the price of Bitcoin and it's just gyrating wildly. Yeah. 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 Um, listen, I think it has crashed, right? I mean, you, you know, Bitcoin reached 20,000, uh, Q4 of last year. I didn't see this morning starting with somewhere with a six. So, um, you know, the entire, you know, Bitcoin itself has come down quite a bit, but, um, but that doesn't, but how does that impact your business? Cause I would, so Events are a big part of your business. Yeah. Consensus. How many people came to Consensus? So Consensus last year, we had uh, almost 9,000 people uh, that were at Consensus and about 50% of them from outside the United States. So it attracts 70 countries represented. Okay. And the year before, how big was it? Uh, before The year before, 2017 was about 2,700 people. Okay. So, I mean, that is the sort of, I mean, the big, that's, it's a great growth. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I remember in the internet, Year there was Internet World over at Javits Center um, went gigantic. Yeah, and then it went. Yeah, then all of a sudden it was uh, there wasn't a lot of people. Right. How do you end up? I guess benefiting from you know the boom, but not being tied to it. And so, what what makes this so interesting? And it's a great question. I think about that all the time. What makes this so interesting is um, this isn't just the narrative. What we're doing in our in our media and events business is not just about the price going up and down. Again, this is the it's a broader global technology story about people who are working on long term projects to build a more decentralized internet. So, right. you know, um, that narrative has a long. Right road ahead of so it. So you'll cover, because I mean, I go like, you'll cover the gyrations because you have to cover the Correct. gyrations. But that's not the core of what we do. In fact, it's, we have, you know, we do have a team that, 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 that folk, you know, that does that, you know, a, a beat. Uh, but most of our teams are covering startups, uh, enterprise and technology, right? That's like, if you think about our, our, our the pillars of our coverage um, uh, in this, in this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So do you think of yourselves as a B2B publication, media company? That's an interesting question, um, having worked in both B2B and B2C media. Um, um, I guess from a coverage standpoint, I'd have to say yes, because we write uh, in our coverage and uh, in, in, in Coindesk, uh, and certainly what we're doing programming at our events is um, geared towards folks who are, are, are stakeholders in the industry. And then that, by the way, can continues to grow. More and more stakeholders continue to you know, to come, uh, into the industry. But, um, uh, we also see a lot of what we call the crypto curious come by. Uh, we use that a lot around here. Yeah. And they come by and we increasingly have, um, but uh, will they be coming by in two years? I mean, that's because I mean, the people who's the people who are laying the scaffolding, you know, are going to be in this in like two years. Right. Um, I don't know if my colleague's younger brother is going to be in this in two years. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that could be, uh, you know, that, you know, that certainly could be, I mean, we happen to think that, uh, um, uh, there's certainly, there's, if you look today, I don't know, there's some 1700 public 
cryptos that trade. I don't, you know, there, there will be a shakeout. They're not all good projects. Um, we know that everybody knows that, but um, uh, there are there are a lot of meaningful ones, and those will continue to evolve. And so, um, you know, those are the stories that we really want to follow. Yeah. So one question, just from an outsider, when it comes to Bitcoin, when is this going to have like real like people are really using this to buy normal goods and not like illicit goods with it? Um, like, yeah. it, it, I think one of the struggles because it's it's a speculative asset that 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 people are trading just to try to make uh, money off of is that its use cases at least f- from a consumer perspective are I, I you, you don't you don't really see it I don't like you know go to get my coffee and and they tell me like I can buy it in Bitcoin right right um, a couple of things just to unpack that question um, uh, that is true uh, but there are plenty of people who are working to make that vision you know reality with different you know with different uh, with different projects um, the narrative about uh, Bitcoin as just a use for illicit activities um, that that one gets a lot of play in the media um, certainly mm-hmm. when you know and and there were some big moments in the sort of history of crypto where Silk Road, there's some other thing yeah. that got some big, big play, uh, you know, in the media. Um, the irony is, I bet, you know, and, and we've seen studies on this, there's more, um, uh, you know, fiat cash gets used for illegal activities as well. This but people, true. But people don't write about that every day. It's, you know, because it's, well, it's, it's, I do, a, it's a different story. Well, but, cash, cash gets used for all sorts of other non-illicit activities. Right. I think the, the issue, I think that people might have is that they don't like at least perceive or see any um, day-to-day uses of Bitcoin. I never see anything. Right. And part of it is we, you know, we wrote a story the other day about, um, you know, folks using crypto in, in, you know, Palestine. So because the reason people most here in the United States don't see it is because they don't have the pain points. Sure. Of, you know, we all have access to financial services. We all have access to, to financial systems. Um, and so you don't feel the pain points, but there are, you know, I think a big, there's a lot of really interesting projects out there of folks working on sort of this, you know, the, the idea of the unbanked, right? There's, Mm -hmm. I think someone put the number at, at about 2 billion people around the world who don't have access to the financial system. Um, and because, because of the way the financial system Mm -hmm. by the world has been designed and therefore it keeps them at a level of class and, 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 um, uh, uh, you know, standard sure. of living. Yeah, we don't have like, you know, we don't have a situation of Venezuela. I mean, we have our own governmental issues, but like we don't have a situation where all of a sudden overnight, you know, your savings are wiped out because Correct. of a corrupt government. Correct. And there's other situations around the world. So there's a lot of folk, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I think are mission driven to solve that problem uh, and designing uh, a financial system on the theories of the Bitcoin protocol to bring people into the financial systems in a way that um, would improve their lives. So um, you haven't seen those use cases yet, um, but we, you know, we see a lot of projects that um, uh, are, are certainly working toward them. But they're Other, coming. It, it does it seem is. important that, that, yeah. that, that these become very tangible rather than, because I guess, you know, it, it, with the media world, with blockchain even, like, you know, the word could is used a lot. Yeah. I notice when people are sending me those emails. Right. Um, yeah. Rather than is. Yeah. It's listen, there's no doubt that the biggest use case today for is, is people will hold it like a store of value, like as an alternative to gold or, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've heard that, uh, but you know, we just, from where we sit, we see a lot of these entrepreneurial projects um, and some of the hype may be ahead of the, the reality, but these are projects that are, uh, that are coming. Mm-hmm. Another one that, 
you know, that we've written about that we think is, is that I think is, I guess, you know, interesting is, um, and there's some really big projects around this is identity management. So, you know, the one thing that in the, in, in around this technology is the idea that you can, um, uh, you can have digital assets of value, not just, you know, the internet was, we can move in information around seamlessly. So the, the big concept here is we can move things of real things of value around, um, uh, seamlessly. Um, uh, and so there are some really interesting projects that are trying to reimagine a world where we don't give up our data to use the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so there's a, there's a, there's an interesting story out there that says, right, really two, there's really two things that own your personal data today. Either the government tells you you have ID because you get a driver's license or a passport or, or big tech knows, you know, what you're doing, right? Those mm-hmm. are really the two things that sort of give you identification. Um, there are services out there that are trying to reverse that and, and, and sort of allow you to actually have physical ownership of your data, of your personal identity, and decide who you want to authenticate with. So this all sounds very futuristic, I understand that, but there are some really interesting projects around mm-hmm. there that are using the technology to change major ways the economy works. If, if, if the whole idea of, of um, mm-hmm. uh, data, who owns your data gets reversed and you own it yourself and can decide when and where you want to do it, that'll change a lot of yeah. business models. And, and then I would guess once that gets worked out, because I think right now, it, I, I'm kind of reminded of advertising technology because you talk about the plumbing all the time mm-hmm. it, rather than just you know what's on top of it. Right. Like, and so it seems like particularly with blockchain and even like there's so much talk about like all the infrastructure that has to get laid that it it confuses the hell out of people. Right. Like regular people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where that's why you know when you yeah. go to CoinDesk you 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 lead off with you know what is blockchain? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the, the, there, I, I can certainly understand these are not simple subjects to, to um, uh, although we, you know, we try to make them accessible. Um, yeah. From a meet, from our perspective, from my perspective, you, you know, this is great for media and information business, right? We, we, we constantly have a narrative yeah. to report on, to try to explain, to educate, and that's really our mission. Let's take a quick break here. I just returned from the Digiday Publishing Summit, and I got to meet lots of listeners of this very podcast. That was a lot of fun. One of the big themes at DPS was the growth of membership programs. I paid particular attention during those sessions because we, too, have a membership program. You might have heard me talk about it. It is called Digiday Plus. With Digiday Plus, you get access to exclusive content. Each day, we have pieces that are available only for members, along with invites to our member events, like live recordings of this podcast. You also get early access to this podcast, exclusive research we do on top industry trends, and much more. It's worth it. Trust me. It is a mere $395 a year. If you visit digiday.com, you will see the plus tab. If you then go there and subscribe, you can use podcast at checkout and you will get 20% off. Please check it out. Now back to the episode. So the the vision is to keep it as a media company. Put yourself at the center of this growing um, community. There's, there's different sides to it. It's going to touch all kinds of enterprises um, and then make money a variety of different ways. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, we we define ourselves Ryan, in the sort of media events and data businesses, um, but but those are extensions of being in a you know in a in a digital media business. And, um, you know, on the event in our event business, that's um, an extension of our storytelling and an extension of framing the issues and bringing people together 
uh, mm-hmm. to, um, well, if you're going to put yourself at the center of a community, I mean, we know yeah. this cause we do a lot of events, uh, you know, events are a great way to bring a community together. Right. Right. And we do that through, um, uh, consensus. That's the big annual event for the industry as part of blockchain week. Um, uh, we, we just, uh, last week actually we're in Singapore, uh, which was an important, um, you know, Asia is a very important part of the, the global blockchain community. And so we felt like we needed to be um, there to facilitate conversations. Um, we have a very different event coming up in November um, called uh, Invest. Um, well, most of what we publish is around technology. Invest is um, very, very focused on sort of where Wall Street meets crypto, right? So there's, mm-hmm. you probably have heard this uh, or read about sort of Wall Street continues to, to try to understand how to participate in, yeah. in what's happening and sort of a reinvention. They've become less dismissive. Less dismissive. Crypto, right? I mean... Less dismissive. You're starting to see a lot of um, major brands continue, you know, explore, think about, consider uh, what it means. I mean, most of the... I mean, is this a big threat to them? I mean, it can be. I, like, the, there's lots of things it could be. Right. Uh, as I said. But, I mean, it, in reality, are they seeing ways to co-opt this? Because it seemed like they were dismissive of it because they were like, this is this is completely contrary to our gigantic businesses. So right. this can't exist. Is that too simple? But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so, <laughs> so it seems like they're looking right. for ways to co-opt this. Yeah. Yeah. To make even more money. Right. <laughs> that, that's true. Right? That, that is, that is probably true. Um, there's, there's two parts. There's, I mean, on that question, I think there's banks, right. To have traditional, you know, so, so, the the idea behind is um, uh, digital currencies is to think of a different system than the central banking fractional banking system. So that's a really big goal and probably one that would you know take a long time to, yeah. to do. Then there's um, a reinvention of the capital markets, sort of the Wall Street capital markets and the way they're you know the way they're working the trading markets. And, there's and that's a, like the ICOs. No, no, uh, no ICOs are, are sort of crowdsourced. An ICO is, in essence, a, a, like a Kickstarter for digital projects, right? Somebody does a does a, um, a crowdsourcing and, and people invest. No, what I'm talking about for for Wall, Wall Street, whether it be uh, Goldman Sachs, I think uh, the CME, actually uh, ICE just announced uh, something major. They're continuing to look at this space and 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 say, okay, is crypto a digital asset or or a new asset class? Mm-hmm like commodities or stocks or other things. Is it an asset yeah. class? So like they would need crypto traders. There are plenty of crypto traders, exactly. I mean, at Goldman, are there? Well, not at Goldman. There's actually, there's there's a small group, but 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 there are right. lots of crypto firms out there. But Goldman is, you know, continues to, you know, I think um, from what I know, you know, try to consider what, what they should be doing um, and have been a bit more public about, you know, some of their exploration. But so a lot of these firms look at, okay, if this is going to be a new asset class, What's the infrastructure needed? What are the compliance needed? There's a lot of things that they need to do. And so um, that is, in fact, we put out a weekly newsletter on that. We do a one-day full event on um, on that, which is really an education and exploration of sort of where it is today and where it's, you know, it's going. And, you, you know, we see a lot of talent leaving Wall Street to set up crypto um, everything from, from uh, uh you know, software to uh, trading firms to um, data companies that are trying to mm-hmm. recreate sort of the capital markets f- for a, a crypto uh, a crypto world as well. So anyway, so the big headline is they're not 
they're not ignoring it anymore. They're not dismissing it necessarily, but they're just trying, they're still trying to figure out how it works within their existing models. Like everyone likes to, uh, you know, go to Clay Christensen, but then when in the reality, they don't really (laughs) want, they're like, Whoa, no thanks. Yeah. Um, Uh, I I think, I think a lot are not dismissing it. Um, some may still be, um, but you know, we see it, um, uh, listen, when, when we launched in, you know, when we decided to do a, a single day event last year for the institutional investor, uh, audience, um, we didn't know if it would mm-hmm. work. We didn't know if anyone would be, would be interested and 1200 people showed up. So, right. you know, there was, there's clearly a demand, there's clearly an interest. Yeah. Um, so this is about decentralizing power, right? In some ways. Um, usually the people with power, uh, don't really like that That's to true. happen. And so they they either, you know, they fight it or they co-opt it. Um, and so it would seem to me that governments will not be into this. Like at some point, the government will try to take control of this. Like it's not like the United States government is going to give up on the central bank function um, anytime soon. Um that's, so that's that's probably likely, although it's been, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is about to celebrate its 10 year anniversary and continues to. But it's not a threat yet. It's not. Uh, it, it's not. But um, no, that's true. So uh, what is it? Play this out. Like, what is the What what will like the United States government end up doing? Because it seems to me like there needs to be some kind of like no one likes regulation. But at some at some level, like regulation gives a little bit of reassurance to people, right? Um, particularly when it comes to things like their money. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I have no idea what the United States government will do. <laughs> I don't mean to punt the question. But um, other than to tell you that there's a whole, um, uh, you know, a lot of different agencies look at it from a different perspective, right? So the CFTC, looks at it, uh, from, uh, from their perspective, the SEC is looking at it, for, you know, or the, the, from their perspective, um, the IRS certainly looks at it from their perspective, different States have different regulations. So, you know, I think there's what we've observed is there's a, and then globally there's different jurisdictions. There's a patchwork of rules of the road around the world, um, which does make it challenging for, for this ecosystem to, to, um, to evolve. The, I think a lot of the serious players want more clarity. I know they do on, on, on the rules of the road and regulation. And I think that um, there's a lot of really important um, institutions that spend time on Capitol Hill, on education uh, and, and dialogue because uh, these things, these con- some of these concepts are hard, just like in, just like you mm-hmm. and I, people get influenced by what they read in the media. They have to sort of dig into the details, okay, of what, you know, what this opportunity, there's some really, there are some congressmen that have spent a lot of time on this in the blockchain caucus who've spent a lot of time in this trying to educate their colleagues. So, um, you know, you hope, you hope there's not an over regulatory response based on misinformation yeah. and you hope that, um, well, then you know, again, you saw the hearings with uh, Mark Zuckerberg, so yeah, I'd be very interested to see with those senators how they um, view blockchain and Bitcoin. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> uh, you, one could make the argument if they were upset about the idea that Facebook centralizes data and uses that data for um, what we've learned is is yeah. I just it, meant the general understanding yeah, of yeah. just the basics. Yeah, I think that would that's be, hard. That's that hard. Be, Listen, that you know that that that's an education process. But there's a story in there in the in, yeah. in, in the Facebook story. To your point, sure. You know where um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who say, 
hey, data shouldn't be centralized um, and therefore potentially used for nefarious purposes like changing elections. And if data is truly decentralized, mm -hmm. nobody could actually do that. Um, you know, that, you know, let's reimagine the world in that way. Okay. So final question is, a lot of people talk about, again, this is the could question about blockchain yeah. when it applies to media. Mm -hmm. How would you see the sort of broad sweep of blockchain's applicability in various industries? How big of an impact um, do you think that it, it will have when it comes to the media industry? I want to know what to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> I, listen, like, like any industry that's driven by data, uh, I think there'll be an impact. You know, I think there's a lot of interesting projects. For the, the, the digital media business is driven by, by data, right? And so there's a lot of media companies that, that have built their business models, uh, you know, based on that. And so um, there are technologies out there that are trying, that are, again, working so that data is not centralized and owned by by centralized authorities but by people so you have to reimagine how the you know yeah. how the how it works so um, there are some interesting you know projects out there um, there's something that uh, folks in the media business you know something called the basic attention token the bat which is an interesting way of thinking about the relationship between publishers readers and advertisers um, uh, which um, sort of tries to move away from the you know, online ad model that it is. And so that's an interesting project that I think has, has um, uh, continued to, to pick up steam. And really, and obviously in a, in a world of GDPR, uh, these things just are going to pick up, you know, where you have that massive regulation, it, it forces publishers to rethink, mm -hmm. you know, to, to rethink, um, to rethink things. Um, there's a really great project out there where that we're interested in seeing, you know, succeed called Civil, which is, um, trying to bring, um, I think, a rethink how to pay for good quality journalism, which is everybody who's been, you know, we're in that business. We always um, that, that, um, uh, have that ambition. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's something for 2019 that's going to completely disrupt the media, but there are a lot of projects yeah. just that are that are worth keeping an eye on. And then on the other end, Google and Facebook are not just going to sit there and allow the basic attention token to take their business away. Pro, you know, no, probably not. Um, uh, but but a lot of those business models are built on centralized. You know, there, there's the there 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 are applications built on a free set of protocols underneath the, the, the original web, and they've created really good yeah. applications on top of those free protocols, and they collect rent from all of us somehow. Right. Uh, for doing that, I think the the big ethos of um, uh, of, of blockchain and what Coindesk spends every day trying to painstakingly <laughs> explain and, and, and report on is the idea that this web could be reimagined um, in, a, in a much different way, in a much more decentralized way. Um, and, and what are the opportunities there to rethink how, um, how the economy works, how people are impacted by that. Um, it's in some ways it's bigger than a, just a technology narrative because it's a, um, well, societal implications. Societal too. implications, yeah. yeah. Okay, well Kevin, said. thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Aditi Sangal. Tell us what you think. Tweet at me or email me um, or give us a rating and a review. Uh, that always helps this podcast be discovered. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Thank you again for listening. We will be back next week with a new episode.